coffee drinkers, bass players, guys and girls around the world. Got a really fun one for you today, something I've been working on for the past couple of days. It's from Kenny Werner, author of Effortless Mastery. You can find uh, the links to, to him talking about this concept in great detail on YouTube, Kenny Werner. It's basically how to make something from nothing, how to pick completely random root notes and randomly pick uh, chord qualities and then use voice leading to make them sound like they were they <laughs> you, that you spent months and months pouring over these chord changes and, and and writing a symphony when in fact it takes about eight seconds to pick four notes and another four seconds to pick four chord qualities and I did it just before um, I started recording this episode of the podcast and I have four notes here. Um, I wish there was a way to do it live uh, where we could pick, you know, core qualities out of, hats, out of a hat so you know it would be completely random. You just have to trust me on this that it was a super random process. Before we get into that, uh, don't forget tour dates, uh, August 22nd, London, the Pizza Express. August 23rd um, is Manchester at Stoller Hall. August 24th, we're at Le Note Bleu in uh, Monaco. August 25th, we are at Metropolia. AMK Kluby in uh, Helsinki and on the 26th of August we finish out that little run of dates in Viliandi in Estonia at the Rhythm Festival with my trio with Nico Vicaro and with Tom Corley from the new album One Way Out. Uh, super psyched for that. Don't forget those dates are all up on my website right now. Tickets are available for all of them. I've talked a lot about the touring thing, past few episodes, past few videos and on YouTube and just getting into the weeds on that, like getting into the details and the success of the tour is super dependent on on ticket sales for a few of those dates. So if you're in Manchester, if you're in London, if you're in Helsinki, those are super dependent on ticket sales and will help us to come and play more dates uh, in Europe and all around the world in the future if we can make these five nights a success. So that's all available at my website, yannickwasdala.com, the 23rd of August through the 26th in Europe, London, Manchester, Monaco, Helsinki, Viliandi. Now let's get to this Kenny Werner thing. I picked four notes. Um, and I actually, I've done it a few times before. I've never actually picked more than four notes because that's just what I saw him do in the video. I guess there's no reason why you can't. Maybe you could conceptualize it by having you know, picking different numbers of notes for different sections of a composition, maybe. Maybe you could conceptualize the form ahead of time, but populate the form with this concept. That could be an interesting an interesting way to compose. Um, so I picked F, D, A flat, and C. Um, just four root notes. So F, D, A flat, and C. So on their own, they, they kind of sound a bit clunky, right? Some, I guess, never really thought about that line, just the root notes and how they sound on their own. Okay, so we get into a few new ideas within the idea in this. So then I assigned, uh, randomly assigned chord qualities to them. So for the F, I have a minor major, so minor third, major seven. For the D, I went D Dorian. D minor 7, D minor 9 in this case. I have the E natural on top. And for the A flat, I went um, I went Aeolian. So with a with that nice flat 6 sound. So basically a, a, a major chord over the over the third. And then for the C, I went uh, dominant sharp 9. So we actually um, 
wow, I just realized. <laughs> I realized I skipped a really important component here. I put A-flat aeolian, but I, I went, wow, okay. But I went and made this voicing. Wow, see, this is what happens when you're not paying attention, when you're sleep-deprived. The first two chords, I was, it was all going according to plan. F minor major 7, D minor 7, and then A-flat aeolian would be this. Wow. That's C aeolian. What a knucklehead. So I totally had a brain fart on that one. All right, so I'm kind of finding a new thing. I thought I'd found the new thing before I hit record. I'm actually finding the new thing in real time with all of you guys right now. So F minor major 7, D minor 9, A flat aeolian, which is more kind of a, an E major sound, G sharp aeolian there, and then C7 sharp 9. Now that wasn't very well voice led, and that's the, I think the the real key here. That's something that Kenny, in the, all the times I've seen him do this, and I've actually played with Kenny Werner a very little bit quite some time ago, and it was very apparent um, when he's comping and when I was comping for him, how just how um, how much his voice leading makes sense, and how much he's able to thread things together. I think that whole part of this concept is that that leaps out to me. Um, is the thing about threading things together is about having that common thread <coughs> oh we are all getting over being sick in the house not covid thankfully but ah uh, it's not it's not going great <laughs> so the old voice cracks a little bit so in order to voice lead that i have the minor major in the melody uh, the, the the major seven of the minor major in the melody then that e natural on f minor major seven becomes the nine of d dorian of d minor seven d minor nine and then I've got to get to a voicing of A flat aeolian. I think I might just drop down a half step of, of the melody and, and use that voicing on A flat and then leave that melody note there as the sharp nine on C7 sharp nine. Hmm. Now, of course, normally the, my next part of the process is to shove that in the looper. Hmm, maybe I'll do it two, three, and... Now, Kenny's whole Kenny's whole point. Where he, the, the, you know, he's he's in a in a classroom in one of these videos I've seen. You know, and he's he's, he's you know, kind of doing this with some students and saying how you know well, these are all random and the, the core the, the the bass notes are random. The core quality is random. This should just sound like junk right it should be terrible and actually not only does it not sound terrible but it actually sounds better than most of the stuff you can write when you sit down to and try and force the issue and be like i am now writing uh chord change i'm trying to come up with chord changes and i'm trying to come up with nice melody and voice leading actually doing this creates something that i, I don't think i would ever like looking if, if i look at the the piece of paper i've written those chord symbols down on i'm not sure that would ever have been on my mind to just fall out of my brain naturally and be generated completely by me without this exercise. So now we have somewhat of a kind of cohesive section of a song, potentially. We definitely have something interesting to, to work on melodically. Thank you. 
Now, the, the, the next challenge is actually connecting all that stuff melodically um, with, with voice leading in my lines, in my improvisation. That's a much bigger challenge because there's more moving parts, there's more information happening there. There's a lot more that can go wrong. Um, I find it pretty easy in the moment to voice lead chords, um, something obviously, if you know my playing, you probably know I've been working on that for a, a really long time, um, most of my career. So that's something that comes quite naturally. But then on a brand new set of changes, I've never played melodically over before it becomes more of a challenge to connect those ideas because they are quite different as you can hear quite different chord qualities and uh, I happen to randomly pick C as the last one which conveniently is a five chord going to the one because F minor is the is the first chord of the of the sequence so that does give something uh, uh, some some familiarity to it let's do another one let's actually write a fresh one down here I really wish I could have someone pick them out for me. But I'm going to go uh, with A. I'm going to go with F sharp. I'm going to go with B natural. And I'm going to go with, um, what is it to say? Uh, see, I'm now thinking too much. I'm going to go with um, C sharp. Why not C sharp? Okay, so that's four random root notes. We've got A, F sharp, B, C sharp. They're all kind of diatonic there to A, kind of get an A major vibe. But let's uh, let's mess all of that up, shall we? Let's go. Um, let's go A flat altered. So uh, A flat seven uh, altered. Let's go F sharp. Let's go F sharp uh, minor seven. So F sharp uh, Dorian. Let's go um, B. Uh, like with a sharp five, so um, plus five, and let's go C sharp, um, C sharp. Let's pick a random, 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 random. Let's go six and nine, like a almost like a Boston over voicing, maybe. Okay, so there we go. We got four randomly chosen bass notes, four randomly chosen chord qualities. A seven in the altered. Uh, um, F sharp minor seven. We got B with the raised fifth, and we've got um, C sharp or D flat six and nine. So that's crazy. That's the, you know I can I can play three of those chords with the same melody note right off the bat. So it's really easy to voice lead. And, and by voice leading, if you're not familiar with that voice leading, um, to me as a general rule of thumb, like the 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 biggest interval and i really try and avoid it actually the biggest interval i want to move in the melody is a minor third but really um if i can move a half step or a whole step when i'm voice leading that's sort of ideal for me and i think that gives the most cohesiveness uh between the chords and and really gives a sense of melody so <coughs> um, so we've got a7 uh, a altered f sharp minor seven Oh, my bad. Actually, two, one, two. We got three notes, not not two notes. There's actually three notes in the melody. So F in the melody, A7 altered. E in the melody for F sharp minor seven. D sharp in the melody for B uh, augmented. And then we stay on that um, D sharp slash E flat for the or either C sharp or D flat six and nine chord. Let's put that in the in the looper and see how we get on melodically. Um, Thank you. 
definitely a little more challenging than the other one. Um, but, but very interesting nonetheless. And I haven't done this enough. I'd, I'd want to do this dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times, to see if I really got to a point where I'm like, ah, you know what? That one sucks. Um, I kind of feel like it's... It's only going to suck as much as my voice leading sucks, though. I don't think there's anything wrong with the randomness of the root motion or the randomness of the chord quality. Um, so, yeah, this is like kind of an interesting experiment, something I'll, I'll definitely uh, employ when I'm working on, um, you know, when I'm working on new music um, and, and trying to, you know, trying to come up with something completely different. You know, I'm always looking for something different when I compose. I hate it when I overuse the same devices too many times or one album, <coughs> excuse me, one album sounds like the last one or one tune sounds like another one. I, I hate that. And it, it happens for sure. Um, but this is like, I think this is going to be a really good way of, of, of perhaps avoiding that. So yeah, it's definitely definitely a challenge to, to rip over these changes. And the B. Um, that one. And to our. Let's try again. challenge actually a nice way to push the brain somewhere that it's uh definitely not that used to being um and it's funny like i picked altered on that first one i i mentioned it a little bit before but i'm like right at the very final stages of um of finishing of finishing my new book the altered uh, bass player's guide to altered chords and scales um quick plug for that that the pre-order is happening right now through august 13th if you are one of the first 150 people on the pre-order uh, you get access to this uh, uh live harmony masterclass that i'm going to do the day after the launch the 14th of august uh, i'm going to do that live first 150 people who pre-order um there are a f- i think there are about 20 of those left 20 or 25 of those left on the website yannickwistala.com um if you're into that kind of thing and the reason i'm talking about that is it is in the forefront of my mind i'm putting the very last finishing touches on it and with any of the books it, it's crazy right because i've spent the last four or five almost six months working on it and compiling 
all the things I think are important about altered vocabulary and all the the little the tiny fragments that in my transcription books that have really made an impact on me throughout my career, things that have stuck in my vocabulary in a way that I hope, even if those specific things don't stick in yours, if you check out the book, I, I hope the the concept and the process of finding that vocabulary is something that finds its way into your into your process and in your into your routine and. As I come down the stretch, the final bits, and we do doing the the the, um, the editing, and Chelsea's doing all the uh, copy work and the InDesign and all this stuff. There's always something that comes up because I'm practicing, obviously, every day. There's I think like, oh shit, I really need to add that to the book, and we have to go shuffle things around. So. I'm trying to play as much altered stuff, even though I don't really do that all the time. It's not like the main focus at this point in my life of every practice routine these days. I'm trying to make it so um, just in case I forget something that I think, oh, I think that's really important. And of course, it, it's it's all a balance because then, then I can overload. You know, I, I we, we definitely have to go through a strict editing process after that. And we definitely trim away a few things that are, that are probably a little unnecessary um, to the learning process. But I'm always trying to cram as much into the initial draft as I can to give it the best chance of having the the, the, the most kind of the most um, useful pieces of information and also streamlining the process the best so that you don't get overwhelmed by by words actually you know it's something I've been working on for I don't know for myself for 25 years now but you know for the last five or six years with the books like really working on like trying to get people out of the habit of thinking about this stuff it's 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 okay it's great it's good it's a good thing to know theory and to understand the mechanics of it and to be able to explain that to someone but all of these books are um, and all of the information i put out there is really geared towards you actually playing your instrument and playing this stuff live and in that moment thinking about it is the absolute worst thing you can possibly do if you have to think about it at that point you're not ready to play it so um you it, you you're trying to do something that is is just out of your comfort zone which is not a bad thing in certain cases but perhaps you're trying to do something that's just out of your capability zone and rather than being in an area while you play and doing something out of your comfort zone which i think is quite healthy because that's where you make you know quote unquote mistakes and that's where you find new things as an improviser and as any kind of musician actually um rather than that i think you may be setting yourself up for for a bit more of a, a heavier disaster if you're doing it where you're not fluent with it yet. And um, I think the fluency comes from really learning it and internalizing it and repeating it, but then really forgetting about the thought process behind it. You know, it should be super natural, just like I'm talking to you right now, talking into the microphone, talking about altered chords, I'm talking about learning vocabulary, I'm talking about improvising, and I'm not thinking about how I'm structuring these sentences because I don't have to. And you're not thinking about how I am either. When you listen to this, if you speak English, then <laughs> um, you understand everything I'm saying and you don't have to think about it at all. And that is, that's the ultimate goal of any of the sort of educational material I put out there. That's the concept behind all of it is you need to stop thinking about shit when you play. That's it. It's that simple. Um, it's not that easy to do, but conceptually it's quite simple. Um, there are very few components to that process. It's, you know find the material you know maybe it's altered you know, maybe you're in the in the book and you're exercise five and you found the the the, the vocabulary the piece of information that you want to uh, get into your playing so you, that's it step one uh, you find the information step two you repeat the information as much as you possibly can in as many different places you can on the instrument that's step two step three you get to the point where you forget it because you've repeated it so many times it's like you don't 
Um, is it, there are so many ways to say it. I think I said it in a post the other day along the lines of you don't learn something to um, to memorize it. Like you, you learn something so you can never possibly forget it. Like you don't... What is the quote? It's something along the lines of learning some... You know what? I'll find the quote and I'll bring it in the next podcast. But basically, Chikoria actually uh, puts it a great way. He talks about learning music and internalizing and memorizing music. And he says, well, I don't really memorize it. Because if you memorize it, you, 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 the first pr- process is, it, part of the process is you have the sheet music in front of you. And he's sitting at the piano and he's like reading from the sheet music. And if you have sight reading or any kind of reading in your skill set, that's one way to get the music out of the instrument. You know, a composer gives you a piece of music, you read the music and it comes out through your instrument. Um, but if you're memorizing that piece of music, the way he put it is that you're really kind of still sight reading, but from your memory, like you're searching through your memory for an image of that music to then still sight read, um, despite the fact that there might not be any uh, sheet music, physical paper in front of you. So it's more about repeating the thing so many times that is completely in your subconscious that you don't have to recall any images, you just do. Now, I know that can seem like a bit of an alien concept or maybe something that's unattainable. It may sound like that's kind of elitist or something or it's really, really far away, but it, but it's not. Just conceptually, like, challenge yourself to do that with something really simple. Take four notes. Like, don't try and learn a, a Mozart piano concerto and be like, man, well, that's really hard. I'm never going to do that. Take four notes. You know, I if if you're not on my mailing list, highly recommend it. Um, I send out a bunch of cool stuff. Some of it is obviously uh, notices about products I have for sale. But like today's email went out, and that was that had a, a, a an altered lick in it, um, talking about using four notes to get the altered um, the altered sound into your playing. Let me put this one chord in here. So we got a we got this G seven altered chord, and I was I, I gave this line. Uh, uh, what, what, what was it? There it is. So basically, using these four notes, uh, those four notes to get the sound of altered. You know, it's a. It's, technically speaking, it's a D flat triad. Um, it's a D flat arpeggio actually uh, over a G seven chord, and you get the flat nine, flat seven, flat five, down to the flat nine again. To the root of our chord, which resolves really nicely to our one chord. So I'll put that in the looper, give it to you in context. The, the, the context was a two-bar loop. Uh, hang on, I think I had the one chord first. simple exercise it's just one two three four five six in total it's six notes and the first and the last note are just g an octave apart and this uh, d flat major arpeggio starting from the fifth three one five down to that g again so when we talk about really knowing something not remembering it not memorizing it but knowing it i think that's the key word here finally we get to the point it's about knowing something not remembering something i think that's what chicory was getting at it's in one of the uh, you know 
it's so sad that he died first of all but it, it, double sad that he was really getting into making these incredible sort of educational videos in his studio sitting at the piano and answering questions that people had emailed in and analyzing pieces of music and going over things that have helped him in his life and that really stuck with me the thing about knowing it not remembering it and uh, so just try that with a with a really simple phrase it doesn't even have to be as you know quote unquote complicated as a arpeggio over an altered chord in the middle of a cadence just you know that if if you know if you've been playing bass a little while and you can play a major scale without thinking about it you've already done it you've already accomplished the goal you've already done it with something um like do you really have to think about the theory behind a major scale when you play it now where is your cutoff point between major scale and like where's the upper end of your ability uh range in terms of knowing something rather than having to recall it and remembering it is it altered vocabulary is it chordal uh harmony is it there's so many things you could you could go to some you know theoretically complex things but where is it and and find that spot find that breaking point find the thing that gives you the most trouble dial it back a notch and then really start knowing the thing the level right before the thing that gives you a problem to give you some more confidence and then push yourself into that level just finding the information and repeating it over and over and over again that can come through transcription obviously it can come through working on stuff like you know with the, the new altered book that's coming out the pentatonic book that i have out is full of exercises and reharmonization ideas and melody ideas and baseline ideas to get you to repeat that vocabulary so that that vocabulary is completely natural i think i, I said it on the last podcast about learning Icelandic you wouldn't necessarily move to Delaware that might not be the, the number one spot in the world probably like in Iceland would be the number one spot in the world same with this find the place that has the 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 most uh voluminous amount of vocabulary in the style that you want to play and get inside it get way 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 inside it and immerse yourself in it and you'll find that you're breaking through all of those boundaries that you you thought you had you know you don't have a boundary with the concept. You, you trust me with that. You can every every single person can do this because anyone who can speak their language or walk in a straight line for more than four steps, you we all can do things that we know, that we instinctively know. Like if you drive a car, for instance, and somebody walks out in front of your car, you don't have to think about where the brake pedal is. Your brain processes everything that's going on in milliseconds fractions of milliseconds sometimes in order to save your life the person's life who stepped out in the road and hit that brake in 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 sort of professional athlete level reaction times why because you've probably been driving 10 20 30 years and and it's completely natural to you and there's no reason why you know uh, diatonic triads in melodic minor over altered chords shouldn't be exactly the same way it's just work you know and it's work that um unless you've answered the question of you know how badly do i want this unless you've answered that question with shit i I will bleed you know i will nothing else is more important than this unless you've answered that question that way it's tough um i think to 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 get there psychologically to get there 
for musicians because this is a language that comes a little later in life for a lot of us. Yeah, I didn't start learning this stuff until I was in my mid to late teens. Um, it wasn't something I was doing as an infant when I had that sort of sponge-like ability to pick up anything like we all do when we're infants. So it is a bit more of a challenge unless you're really committed to it. And of course, for, for I'm sure there is a massive mix of people listening. Um, some of you may be professional musicians. Some of you play for a couple of hours on a Saturday and then literally everything in between. So it's also all about you know context and how much you need it. You might want it a lot, but do you really need it and do you have time for it? So you have to be realistic about that and don't beat yourself up because the time perhaps isn't there for you to get as good as you like. But just know that you have that that ability built into you as a human being to know things rather than have to recall them and memorize them and sort of parrot them out. You know, that's uh that and that's that's when you hear a real improviser. You know, when you hear someone who isn't playing a bunch of licks, who isn't playing something that's and that's also I guess the fine line of, of how you how you use that information as well. Do you Yeah, the vocabulary thing, because of course one of my biggest things is repetition and play literally playing these lines and these ideas thousands, thousands, millions of times even. But the way in which you use them shouldn't be just, you know, punching numbers into a jukebox to bring up, you know, lick number 473 and lick number 2597 and lick number six. And, you know, it shouldn't be like calling bingo numbers when you go out and play. It should be as natural as having a conversation. Like think about as an English speaker, how many times I've used the word the in my life. Has to be millions, I would imagine. Tens of millions even. Um, and but I I don't use it in a, in a contrite way when I when I structure uh, structure sentences when I'm in the middle of a conversation. It's just completely flowing and natural. So that's that's the goal. Um, hope that wasn't too heavy or <laughs> in the end there, but that's kind of how how I frame my my day and my practice and my process and my routine and how I try to get better every day um hopefully there is something in there for everyone no matter what level you're at i tell you that it's hard work you know um and i tell you that it is it is what it is i don't sugarcoat it because i want you to succeed it is not because i want you to feel like it's unattainable i want to tell you that yeah it's a shitload of work you probably have no freaking idea but at the same time you absolutely have the ability to do it i have no doubt whatsoever that you have the ability to do it it's just you gotta you gotta step up and actually do the work, and once you do that, sky is the limit. So uh, yeah, check out that Kenny Werner stuff on YouTube. I think it's fascinating. I think Kenny Werner's not only an amazing musician, but has an, a, a really in, incredible and sensitive way of framing how he thinks about music and about melody and harmony and improvisation and composition. I think it's a, a, a wealth of knowledge that should be mined by everyone who is. Uh, who is interested in this kind of stuff and uh, yeah tour dates london 22nd of august manchester 23rd of august monaco 24th uh where are we at helsinki the 25th and filiandi the 26th cannot wait for these live shows as soon as the book is out my head is in the pedals creating all the sounds and the signal paths for the tour that is going to be one uh that is going to be one journey that's for sure uh, a different journey every night um Hopefully I get to record some of them and share, 
you know, maybe some live recordings, you know, later on in the year or maybe next year, or put a compilation of the whole tour together. I don't know. I'm really excited to see what happens because that's one of the most joyful things about this band is that we don't know what's going to happen. We know it's going to be fun. We know we're going to have a blast doing it. And we know, I think we're all individually and as an ensemble quite aware and confident that we have the ability to take the audience on a, on a really interesting journey every night and make extraordinary music for extraordinary people to listen to. I think that is like after a lot of years of work, the fact that that is a thing that is on our minds and is on my mind as a band leader and that I'm able to have the confidence to get on the plane, come to wherever you are and present that to you. That's a huge step forward. Um, having made all the records I've already made and toured how I've already toured for, for 25 years to be able to find a new gear right now is uh, is really something special. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with everyone. And uh, we're just a few weeks out. So yeah, tickets, yannickwistala.com. Pre-sale for the altered book is happening now through August 13th. And uh, see you cats on the, well, I'll speak to you cats on the next episode of the podcast. <laughs>